Welcome into the Major League Baseball podcast here, brought to you by pregame.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined by former big league pitcher Josh Towers. As you're listening to this podcast on the Straight Out of Vegas feed, we used to post on RJ Bell's Dream Preview, but now you can catch us on the Straight Out of Vegas feed. You should be subscribed to both, so make sure you are doing so, following both RJ Bell's Dream Preview and Straight Out of Vegas AM. So we'll call this Straight Out of Vegas PM for the baseball edition. Anyway, it's Monday, and we're going to talk about the games tonight and what's coming up this week in Major League Baseball. What's up, Josh? What's up, buddy? How are you? How'd you enjoy this weekend's action? You know, there was so much going on, not just in the baseball world, but right, with the UFC and oh yeah, there's just a lot going on. So, I mean, so it was a good sports weekend, obviously football here, so mm-hmm. I was excited about that. But uh, it's crazy because when this happens, baseball kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah, a little bit, yep. I work at Circa, and uh, it's funny, on Saturday, all the screens we have. College football. Not one baseball screen. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I believe that. I've seen it. Yeah, it's crazy. And yesterday it was all NFL and not one Screen on baseball, probably maybe one in the corner, but uh, when when there were less games in the afternoon as yeah. opposed to the early slate. But we have a doubleheader today, a game that's actually in progress right now as we're recording the Braves and the Phillies game one of a doubleheader. It's a makeup from June 21st. Taiwan Walker getting the start for the Phillies in this one and for the Braves, they're countering with uh, Charlie Morton. So the Braves were favored going into this one in game one. Game Game two, we know the Phillies are scheduled to throw Michael Lorenzen for Atlanta. It's possibly going to be Kyle Wright. They could go with an opener if they decide to go with like a left-handed opener like Lee. So we don't have odds right now for game two of the doubleheader coming up later on tonight. But Josh, as a former player, let's help the audience understand what goes on during a doubleheader. How does your schedule as a player get screwed up when you're playing two in the same day. It's never fun for us because you know you're going to be there all day and there's split gates. So after the first game, we just sit around. I mean, you get whatever work you want to get in. If you don't have any work that day, you're bored. You don't really leave and go home, especially if you're on the road. Um, then we get the second gate in. Then you got to go hold through the whole thing. It's a full, long day. And I know it sounds I'm making it sound so awful. It's just not fun. There's so much dead time. And, and again, if you're a starting pitcher or somebody who's just not pitching, you're bored out of your mind. Um, so we're not the biggest fans of it, but you know it's part of the game, so then you just deal with it the best way you know how. From a starting pitching perspective, would you rather start the first game of the doubleheader or the second game as far as your routine and getting ready? doesn't matter. I mean, where do you feel more comfortable, right? Do you like day games? Do you like night games? That doesn't matter to me so much. So... Um, but if you're starting the night game, it, it does, is it bothersome that you're I don't sitting there all day? I don't have to be there. Oh, okay. No, I'm not there. So whoever's pitching the next game, they're not there. Mm. They're at home. They're getting sleep. They're going through their normal routine, right? It's just the players who are playing the game, everybody else, the relievers, they all got to be there. But as far as the two starting pitchers for the next game, they're at home right now. They're doing whatever their normal day is to get ready to start that, that, that night game, whatever time the game's at. Uh, and they'll get there a little bit early because I don't think there's a – it's not a traditional like 705 start, so I'm sure mm-hmm. it's a little bit earlier. So they'll get there a little earlier, but no, those guys are at home right now. And from a team perspective, does your attitude or mindset change if you win the first game versus if you lose the first game? Because I'm looking at the data, and this yeah. season there have been 25 doubleheaders and 13 sweeps. So that's 52% of the time that the team that wins the first game wins the second game. Mm-hmm. And that's actually up from what we've seen over the past two seasons. Last year, it was 45%. The year before that, in 2021, only 43% sweeps. So if you win the first game, how does it affect your mentality and your attitude for the second game? You know, usually it's like you win the game, and so you're just more relaxed, right? You already have a win under your belt, so there's not as much pressure. And you're always playing to win, don't get me wrong, but there's not as much pressure to, to win. So you're... It almost works as your favor sometimes because you're more relaxed. With that said, I won the game, so now I'm taking out my catcher and I'm putting in the other catcher. Um, my my 25th man, my fourth outfit is probably going to start. Somebody's going to get a rest day. Um, so the lineup switches. And so if I won the first game, usually the second game's lineup is not as strong, and that's mm. kind of usually where we see those, those splits. I just think in today's game, there's, there's so many teams that just aren't very good. 
And mm. so if I'm catching a doubleheader versus them, like it's just the reality is I'm going to win. I mean, you look at this Atlanta lineup. They don't switch their lineup very often. Their two catchers are both really good. Their they're mixing players are legit. The lineup stay very – I mean, Philadelphia does the same thing too offensively. They don't switch it up too, too much. And we are seeing that a little bit more, which I do appreciate and respect, that the lineups have stayed pretty true to what they are so these guys can become consistent. Um, but that's really where I think the, 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 the splits where it came from is like – our lineups are just completely changed after you win the second time or sorry, the second game for the team who lost, there's more pressure to win. Right. So then you're going to put your best lineup or, Hey, I know you went over four. You're one of my best players. You're going back in there because we have to win this game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, again, the, the, the splits were, were more prevalent, but in today's game, it's just completely changed. So now I'm going to ask you, how are the teams affected the day after the doubleheader? Cause we'll get through today's games. And then tomorrow Braves at the Phillies, Max Freed, Zach Wheeler. Would that be a game that maybe we target the under? Does fatigue come into play the day after a doubleheader? Um, we, literally, we do not think about it. I know all the things that I have to do to recover. I know the hot and cold contrast. I got all the different variations of machines that look like our studio here, of different things that are that are treatment-based. Um so I, tomorrow we're going to play regardless. We play every day. So today's not that much fun because we got to sit here all day, the most of us. But tomorrow's just back to normal. So mm-hmm. then, you know, I won't go out tonight, which I'm probably not going to go out anyways. I didn't go out last night because we got a doubleheader tomorrow, right? So I'm just, in essence, you're kind of getting more sleep than you probably would, even though we have two games. And so, no, it doesn't, there's not a fatigue factor. There's not anything. It's like we're, we got and we're getting so much better at learning how to recover to mm-hmm. be able to play tomorrow since we do this every day. And i got to be honest with you. You need days off, and when you get them, you should take them. A lot of us want to go to the yard and throw or do whatever, and I understand that as well. But, like, we should take the days off, but we're also not built for days off. Like, we want to stay in routine and play every day because our body is so used to everything we do. And then when the season ends and we go home, go lay down for two weeks. Because <laughs> then you realize, all right, shoot, I was tired. But, like, it's hard for us to break routine. It's going to be a line for that cold tub. Coming up uh, uh, yeah, today. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so let's talk about the Braves here. Um, Wayne, they clinched the postseason spot last night. Yeah. Their magic number to clinch the NL East is six. Not like that's ever in doubt, but do you expect a let up once they finally clinch? Maybe giving guys some time off before the playoffs, or do they keep this thing rolling through the end of September? Well, that's what we've seen the good teams do, and we saw Atlanta do this in the past where they don't. I'm going to periodically give a guy a day off here or there, but not collectively a group of guys off. They let these guys play almost all the way through the end of the season because I think we've seen it too much. We've seen it to where you give guys time off. Watch Again, I always reference the NFL. Teams who clinch early and they start sitting everybody. I mean, look at the, the – no one plays in the preseason, right? Just um, like – Look at Cincinnati. They always start out slow, and we saw it again this weekend. Like mm-hmm. they, you don't, you can have all the best players, but if they're not playing consistently, it's hard to find that rhythm. And so when I sit guys towards the end of the year for like the next week or two, uh, I'm taking them out of rhythm, and then it's kind of like coming off the DL and starting over. It's not a good thing, right? So we're going to periodically give you a day off if you want it. Most guys and a lot of guys, I should say, don't actually want a day off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll do that so that my team stays very, very consistent to what we're doing. There's not a big gap in I, – I can't take Acuna, Albies, and Riley out at the same time. I mean, I can, but that doesn't make any sense, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the Yankees got very good at this. They were very, very good, especially when I played of, let's say, three games left. We always had them at the end of the season. And, like, day one, most guys would get a rest. But then day two and three, they would all play to be fresh, ready to go into the postseason. So they didn't really give them rest. Because, again, you can't have us sit too long. It's like starting over, and we don't want that at all. So, no, I think teams like Atlanta, they got really good at saying, no, you guys are going to play all the way through. I'll periodically give you guys rest, but there's going to be – you're not taking a week off. Yeah, so if we see – Starting pitchers have to stay in routine. If we see teams start to do that towards the end of the season, those are teams that you don't like early on in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't. I don't like okay. it in the NFL, and I don't like it in baseball. No, okay. you'll see. you'll see teams who make the postseason who are – 
the managers are new or maybe they haven't got in the postseason in a long time, and you'll see them do stuff like that that puts the team well, in a bad rhythm. There's a reason why we've seen wildcard teams do so well and look at what the Phillies did last year because they're playing so hard at the end of the season trying baseball, to get into the playoffs. All the way through. And then once you're in the playoffs, no, the mentality hasn't changed. You're playing, yeah. you're playing playoff baseball the entire month of September trying yep. to even get in. So there are no days off, and so you have built that mentally on and on top of physically. You've built that, and then boom, playoffs come, and it's it's. I've been doing this last few weeks. Mm-hmm. I know it's a great example. Uh, let's look at the wild card standings in the American League. The Rays are your top wild card. The Blue Jays your second wild card. Toronto only one up on Seattle for that second wild card. The Mariners a half game up on the Rangers. And that's pretty much where I'm going to draw the line. The Red Sox, six games out. I'm going to eliminate them. In the National League, Phillies are the top wild card. They are two games up, or four games up, excuse me, on the Cubs. Cubs are two games up on the Diamondbacks, who are the third wild card. Arizona, a half game up on Miami. Miami is, uh, or, or excuse me, Arizona, one and a half up on San Francisco and Cincinnati. So a, a bigger race in the National League wild card of those teams, Josh, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Miami, or Arizona, who do you have the most confidence in to gain a wild card spot? I think Miami is the most dangerous team right now. I mean, they're eight and two in their last ten. They they're I mean, they just left Philadelphia and did pretty well there. Um I think they're the they got I mean, they're just quietly good in so many areas. They just don't get national pub. Uh, I wouldn't be. Surprised. They've won eight of their last ten. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if Miami jumps um, jumps Arizona or maybe even the Cubs. I mean, again, let's see who they. The Cubs got Colorado coming up. Arizona's got the Mets. Miami does have Milwaukee, which is going to be a very tough series. So the strength of schedule is 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 such an important part of what's next. I mean, you go over to the AL and, and Toronto's been hot, right? Three in a row, eight of their last 10. They just took advantage of, of beating Oakland, which they had to, right? You have to beat the teams you have to beat. Now they got Texas, which should be a good place for them. Texas is struggling. Um, Seattle's interesting. I They're struggling bad. They lost three in a row. They're going into LA. They have to beat the Angels, right? I mean, that's arguably the worst team in baseball is Los Angeles. I'm very interested in this series coming up because – I don't. Did you see the 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 interview with Kirby after his start in in Tampa? Did you see what he said? Mm-mm. Oh, Scotty, uh, it's embarrassing. And you, of course, guys like me, Jared Weaver, like you've seen starting pitchers around the game, uh, formers start to open our mouths about it because it was just embarrassing. He said in an interview. I, I mean, the fact that I'm even saying this out loud is crazy to me. He said in an interview. I, sh- I I don't even know why I was out there for the seventh inning. Ooh. I, sh- I I shouldn't have been out there. They should have pulled me after six. I was already at, I think, 79 or 80 pitches or something like that. And I just, I, I shouldn't have been out there. I didn't want to be out there for the seventh. And that's when he gave up runs and lost the game. And I thought, oh, my God, like, is this guy serious? And on one hand, that's an, like, that's the biggest embarrassment that I've ever heard. So you don't even want to be in the game when the game's on the line. Like, I've always said it. If a starting pitcher doesn't go seven innings, to me, they didn't do their job. Mm-hmm. And this dude is asking out of the game after six because, oh, I went six innings and had a quality start, and I don't want to be out there with the game on the line because if I blow it, then it makes me look bad, so I'd rather let my— I mean, I just—everything he said was so embarrassing that when your team hears this, when when your staff hears this, when your coaching staff hears this, it's like I've lost all— Respect for this kid. Like the, I now know that he is not a guy I can put out there with the game on the line. And so what happens is next start, I guarantee he gets pulled early. Guaranteed. And he's been pretty good. That's the other thing. He's The kid's control's fantastic. He's been great. But knowing that his heart is not in it when I need it, like he's not a guy I can rely on in the postseason. And since then, they've dropped a couple games after that, right? So you're facing mm-hmm. a team that you're going to see in the postseason, and you don't want to be in the, the seventh inning. That's it. The seventh, Not even the ninth inning. Not even the eighth inning. This you were you were you thought at eight, 70, 90, whatever he was at, eighty pitches, whatever number he was at, you thought that was too many pitches after six innings to go into the seventh inning. Like I don't even know how to describe how like Roy Holiday's rolling over in his grave right now. Pedro Martinez is probably throwing stuff at the television. Like these guys who would never cut him out of a baseball game, and this kid's like mad that he had to pitch the seventh inning versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm. Like I'm just I'm in shock. The flip side is. We have created this. We sure. Have, 
we have started to pull these guys so early and never let them pitch in innings that have any meaning because, God forbid, they face a lineup three times, never four, face a lineup three times. Like, we have basically brought them up and developed them and raised them and brought them to big leagues, telling them we don't have faith in you to pitch late in the game. And so... So for some of these guys, why would they have that confidence? Yeah. I mean, I talked about Robbie Ray last year when he came in and pitched the ninth inning versus Houston in the postseason, and he gave up a home run to Jordan Alvarez to lose the game. And I went back and looked at Robbie Ray's stats. Because first off, starters should not come out of the bullpen. They're not relievers. They're starters. They know how to start a game and go deep. They know how to take 30 minutes to get ready. They do not know how to get ready in a hurry. Right? We, it's, it's, complete, it's not even close. I played catch. Bullpen start. I don't play catch, sit for four hours, and then get loose in 10 pitches and go. It doesn't work mm-hmm. for us, right? So for them to pitch a starter was already a bad thing. But I also went in and I looked at Robbie Ray's stats. You know the last time he pitched the ninth inning of a major league game? Never. Never. So you also put him in a situation he's never been in in his life, right? Just because he's my $100 million guy and he's really good, I get it, but that's not where he was really good at. And so we're starting to do that with these guys, and, and so – all of a sudden, I'm going to ask you to do something um, you're not accustomed to doing. I get it. With that said, if they were up 7 nothing and they asked Kirby to go for the seventh, he's not crying about anything. He's comfortable, right? It was just the fact that the game was online. He gave up some runs, and he didn't want to be out there. I just thought that it was such an embarrassing comment to make. I can't believe you would ever go public with a comment like that. And it just – I think what it did was it, it – it put his team in such a bad mental space. It was a bad look on the organization, on the franchise, on that clubhouse. And again, they've lost three in a row since. Yeah. Well, George Kirby's next scheduled start Friday against the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw. No, he lost. It's over. Like, and what's he going to do? Go five? They're going to pull him so quick. Mm. Maybe that's a, a game where we play the prop on his under outs. Yeah, I think he's going to get lit. Maybe that's the way we do it. Instead of, well, you can fade him, you can bet on the mm-hmm. Dodgers, but uh, maybe like under, if it's, I don't know, 16 and a half or mm-hmm. whatever the number is, oh, maybe yeah, he only yeah. goes five innings and yeah. that's it. And we, we, we he, they pull him and we hit the under on the outs recorded on Friday. So that's something to keep an yeah, eye I'm on. curious to see what that is. Yep. We have the Dodgers uh, at the Mariners on Friday. George Kirby scheduled to go against Clayton Kershaw. All right, so let's take a look at tonight's schedule for Monday night. So if you're listening to this podcast here on Monday and you want to get a play for tonight's game, we're going to run through the schedule here for tonight, uh, give you the odds and some things that we like on the schedule. And if you're listening beyond Monday night, just fast forward a little bit because then we're going to get into some games coming up uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday and Thursday, taking a look at the uh, pitching matchups for later on this week. And then we're also going to talk about the Angels' future, their willingness, to trade Mike Trout if that comes about, what their outlook looks like, and some other things as we look at the awards races in Major League Baseball. So let's take a look at tonight's schedule, and we'll start in Baltimore. The Orioles are hosting the Cardinals. Dean Kramer on the mound against Dakota Hudson. Baltimore minus 166, total of 9.5. The Cardinals are a team that... uh, it continues to lose. Uh, they're in last place. It just hasn't gone right for them. They string together a couple of wins, even uh, against the Braves, which was impressive here. But back-to-back, uh, this is now the third road series in a row. I just like fading them here in these games in Baltimore. It's so – what it's, I mean, it's such a tough, like – Clearly, Dakota Hudson's getting some run support. I mean, he gave up five versus Atlanta's last start, and he got the win. That's just crazy. Um yeah, he's not afraid to give up runs, so they clearly score for him. It's almost a dangerous stat to look at. Dean Kramer's been so good for the Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles. I mean, everybody's been pretty good for that team, right? Um, it's hard for me to bet honor against the Cardinals. They're in, they're in, I mean, standings-wise, they're awful. Um, they're in last place, which you never would have expected from this team. They sold off a little bit, so their bullpen is kind of revamped, and it's not really – there's not anybody in positions of, of reliability – so that's hard. But then you look at the lineup and you're like, dang, this lineup's pretty good. Nolan Gorman and Aaron Nato, uh, Goldschmidt, Contreras, like the boys can hit. So then you get a little bit nervous, right? At least I do when I look at it because I'm like, wow, well, offensively this team's there. But then they can't pitch and they can't pitch. So then it's why they mm-hmm. lose, right? It's not the offense, right? So when we get caught up in looking at just offense, it's where we can get ourselves into trouble. And for whatever reason, this Orioles team, everybody's hitting. 
And it's putting that, and they're scoring early, which is putting their their pitching staff in a position of comfortability. Um, I still, I mean, again, even though Baltimore has been arguably the best team in baseball, and and St. Louis has been so bad, it's hard for me to to fully back uh, a game like this. But again, how do you not bet on the Orioles in a situation like this? I mean, they're they're trying to win a pennant, um, which is very important. They're trying to clinch a spot too, and there's no guarantees yet on that. Um, they are at home, and again, Kramer has been so good. So, I mean, again, the, the line I thought would be higher. I, mm. I, I got it somewhere around 160 right here. I thought it would be higher, to be honest with you. So this is a game where, yeah, I would bet I would back the Orioles. The other thing is, though, um, and I don't know how everybody or how Scott, how you look at this stuff, but uh, the Orioles just faced Boston, right, in Boston. They're coming off a division series, mm-hmm. a pretty big series, right? They did well. Uh, a lot of offense in a park. It's there. So this is this is something that people do enjoy to to fade, and it's the first home game yeah. after a road trip. So they played three in Arizona, three in L.A. or Anaheim, then cross-country trip, three in Boston. That's now so it's their weird. first home game. That's so weird. So how does that affect the, the teams and these players, their first game back after being on the road for a while? Yeah, it's different, right? Like, you're so happy to get out of that suitcase. And we like to travel. Like, we got to go mm-hmm. to these cities, and you like to go shopping, and, and you get all these cool restaurants. And, I mean, keep in mind, everybody's got a ton of money in their pocket, right? So it's a, it's a really different lifestyle. Um, but it is nice to not have to pack your suitcase every four days, uh, put on a suit that I've worn once or twice already. And then and then you get home, and you're just unpacking. You're, you're doing all your normal stuff. And then you go to the yard and see familiar faces. Hopefully, you know, some days we'll be like, hey, can we get, you know, no BP today? Can we get a couple extra <laughs> hours? Um, I get why people would fade us. I understand that. I think that's – I think the one thing that has changed so much is is our travel, is is all the internal stuff that people don't don't realize that makes our life a lot easier to, to, to do and to be. Um, the paychecks have all gotten bigger, mm-hmm. right? So I'm a lot more comfortable. We're all eating a little bit better. Are families traveling more often? That I don't know. Okay. I know that families, I know like wives, for instance, are allowed to go on, on flights now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if every team's the same. I don't know if there are certain, certain cities that they pick for this. But I know that's something that has changed. Like, well, they were not allowed. I mean, wives are not allowed to even. When I first got to the big leagues, did I tell you? I think I told you on this podcast. Uh, I had somebody come up to me and say, "The roads for the boys." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And that's completely changed. Mm-hmm. And so, like, so the the mindset that I had when I played was different than what's happening right now. So, um, what do I say to my wife if she wants to go on the road? No, yeah. like, that's going to cause some tension at home. When you know, again, sometimes I just want to go play baseball. I don't want to be distracted, or maybe I do want my wife on the road. It's I'm, I'm comfortable that way too. So. Uh, we have that choice, whether they fly on their own or whether they are allowed to come on the flights. That's changed a lot as well. Mm. I don't um, – there's not too many things like that that I rest my hat on to go, okay, we're going to bet against the Orioles today because they've been on the road for nine. Um, there is, however, at times a letdown. I know the Boston Red Sox very well. I know that, that I'm still competing with this team for the division for a playoff spot. And then all of a sudden I go home and face the St. Louis team that – I see once every couple of years, maybe. I know their names, but I don't really know them. And I guess it would be the same thing for the Cardinals, right? And all of a sudden we're facing the Orioles, who is not in our division. We don't face very often. It's just a, um, you're still up for the game, but it's a, it's a different up. It's a different yeah. feeling, right? You, know, you don't know them as well. You're not as comfortable. So I can see why people would fade Baltimore in this situation. But I can't back a St. Louis team with a starting pitcher who's given up four or five a game. Um, and a bullpen who's just not reliable. And what are they playing for? That's Nothing. The other thing. Right, yeah. exactly. It's hard. Uh, the Nationals are at the Pirates. Uh, Patrick Corbin going for the Nats. We don't know the starting pitcher just yet for the Pirates. So we'll skip that game and go to the Rangers at the Blue Jays. Dane Dunning going for Texas. Chris Bassett for the Blue Jays. Toronto is minus 135. And I've talked about it on this podcast before. Uh, I love Chris Bassett at home. For some reason, he is just much more comfortable pitching in Toronto on that mound at home this season a 2.8 ERA versus a 4.64 ERA on the road. And this is what's most important, Josh, and tell me if you agree. Opponents batting average on the road, 281. Opponents batting average in Toronto, 185. For Bass. Yeah, what is it about pitching in Toronto that he does a much better job of limiting hits? It, again, it just depends on the person. But when I was at the game last week, uh, I hung around until after the game was over to say hi to some people. 
And so as the fans are cleaning out, the guys are underneath getting, doing whatever, eating, you know, eating mm-hmm. meal, ice, and whatever we're doing, right? Um, I look out because I'm on the concourse. I'm looking out onto the field as the stadium clears out. And all you see on the field is all of the wives and all of the kids, because all the kids are about the same age, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all running around the field, having fun, playing on the mound, just doing stuff in the outfield. The dome's closed, so you you don't realize you're outside. You're it's it's just it's just kind of surreal feeling. Um, and Chris is a big family man. I know he just added to his family as yep. well. Um, and so I think maybe just the atmosphere of being in Toronto and having that type of environment for certain guys like Chris is, is a lot more comfortable. For Yusei Kikuchi, it's a lot more comfortable. Um, and so I think that has a lot to do with it. Bass is coming off a game where he pitched really well in Oakland, but it's against your former team. So and it's always... also a place where he's very comfortable pitching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's a little bit different. Um, Dunning hasn't pitched well. He got rocked last start versus versus Houston. And again, I just cannot trust this Texas team. Like you look at their lineup there. It's a beautiful lineup, but for whatever reason, they are struggling like nobody's business and they're still on the cusp. I mean, they're three and seven in their last two and they've won two in a row. Like that's how bad they've been playing. Mm -hmm. Um, You got a hot Toronto team right now. Now, again, the level of competition facing Oakland and facing Texas is slightly different, but I think in this situation, giving where the two teams are at, I think, uh, you know, the one thing that's giving Texas hope is the fact that Seattle's struggling. I'll say that, too. Mm. So you haven't lost really any ground, even though you're on the outside looking in. But I like Toronto in this game. Interesting uh, spread for the next game here. You have the Diamondbacks, who are in a playoff race right now. Underdogs in New York against the Mets. (laughs) Jose Quintana goes for the Mets. Zach Davies for Arizona. The Mets are minus 130. I, I know I don't trust the Mets, but this line is really it's really fishy to me seeing Arizona, a team that's in this playoff push, being an underdog to the Mets. It, it, it is, right? So when I first think about the Mets, I think it's just a losing team, right? I just there's what do they do to win? And you look at Zach Davies and it's like he's either old or not. I mean, he either he's either six and one or he's given up nine, right? I mean, it's crazy with him. So then where's the what, what do I look for in Zach Davies that tells me he's going to be good or bad that day since it's so it's such a big discrepancy? Jose Quintana is so good. I don't think this kid gets like the respect that he deserves, and he's been fantastic. Seven and one his last start, six and zero the start before. Uh, so he's kind of been on a roll. He gave up five in a previous start. I think a lot of them were in the sixth, but then he went six and two, six and one, six and two, six and three, six and three, five and two. Like every start that he makes is a quality start for mm-hmm. the most part. So there's a lot of consistency in Quintana. There's not so much in Davies. Um, and then offensively, the Mets aren't like they're they're not good because they're just not a good. I don't think they're a well coached team. I don't think they're a well developed organization. Um, and I don't think they understand what it takes. The little things. I mean, we again. We saw Pete Alonzo, I don't care if it was a joke or not, made a comment about not catching pot flies and then didn't on a ball hit right Mm. at him. And McNeil had to come all the way from second base. And to even have reasonable doubt on something like that in a clubhouse is not good. Um, But I will say with this game, the line makes a lot of sense to me because Quintana is that good, and he's been that good. Up next, we have the Yankees at the Red Sox. Clark Schmidt for the Yankees. Cutter Crawford for Boston. Boston's minus 130. The Yankees yesterday... With a weird win, Josh, they were being no hit into the 11th (laughs) inning. And you feel for Corbin Burns, who went eight no hit innings, uh, and and they get a no hitter. Imagine saying we threw a no hitter for 10 innings for 10 innings and lost the game. And that's what happened. The Yankees picked up a win against the Brewers. You know, last week when the Yankees strung together five straight wins and they were on the cusp of sweeping the Tigers. I said, you know what? There's six games out of a wild card spot. They've won five straight games. They called up the kids and they're doing well. If they can sweep Detroit and then maybe take two of three from <laughs> Milwaukee, like they're right back in this thing because then they got Boston coming up. They got Toronto coming up. Not the case as uh, they dropped a couple in a row. Now Jason Dominguez is on the shelf. He's going to have Tommy John surgery with the UCL tear. Didn't see yep. this. So he's going to be out nine to ten months. You thought next year he was going to be starting center fielder? Nope. Jason Dominguez is now not going to be uh, around for like ten months. So Yankees, small underdogs in Boston. Team you want to fade? <laughs> not today. Um, Crawford's just been bad. 
You know, it's just he hasn't been good. His last couple starts, he's been thrashed. Schmidt, he's been pitching pretty good. Uh, the Yankees' hopes weren't rested on Dominguez. It's mm-hmm. nice that he came up and, and did well and showed, you know, at our level what he might be capable of doing. Um, it's just internal pride at this point, right? I mean, they're, they're only two games that separate each other. Both of them know they're not out of it, so there's, they're both playing for a playoff spot. It's, it's unrealistic, but it's still a possibility. So this game still has a lot of meaning, plus it's Boston Yankees, and there's always – Yeah, even though all of us players are, are friends, there's a, still a lot of tension just because it is that. The fans, you kind of feel it more from the fan perspective and the media perspective than anything. Um, but I like the Yankees in this game. I don't know. I, just, I think the Yankees should be favored in this game. Okay. Uh, the Royals are at the White Sox. Brady Singer against Dylan Cease. Marlins at the Brewers. Jesus Lazaro goes. Don't you feel there's some games you just can't look at? I mean, we're talking yeah. about from a betting perspective. Yeah. Like, if you're really looking at the White Sox and, no and Royals of a game that where you feel there's a lot of money to be made, I mean, I, God, I mean, it's two losing teams. Mm-hmm. Dylan Cease seems like he has quit. Yeah, Royals just hit 100 losses. I, can't, I mean, it's just a game I, I just go right back. When yep. the Nationals are playing the Pirates, I just go right past it. Yep. Marlins at the Brewers. Jesus Lazaro for Miami. Brandon Woodruff going game. for Milwaukee. Brewers are minus 145. Now, I mentioned the Yankees. That's that's who they beat. They beat the Brewers yesterday. So, Milwaukee returning home after a road trip that saw them go to Pittsburgh and then New York. And they take on the Marlins, who are both. This is a play. This is a, a playoff battle here. Yeah. Because right now, the Brewers. Are three games up on the Cubs for first place in the Central, and Miami is a half game back of Arizona for the third wild card. So both of these teams are, are playing hard down the stretch here. The Brewers minus one forty two, Marlins plus one twenty on the comeback. I mean, yeah, I mean, kidding. Like with Milwaukee, they're in first place, but only two up on the Cubs, and only four games shy of three and a half games from Miami to even make a playoff spot. Sure. All right, so there's no guarantees here. Um, that game yesterday was so big, that losing that game. Mm-hmm. And it just shows you, again, talking about the Yankees, if, if, if you didn't quit on a game, you were getting no hit for 10 innings, and you came back and won, it just shows you that we don't really, as players, you are always playing to succeed. There's a little internals that, that whether I get a little bit more upset at the end of the night if we lose or win, I mean, that's yeah, 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 But you're playing for success. Um, Lozardo's been good, man. I mean, again, I know that I feel like Marlins match up really well versus Yeah, the, the win-loss record doesn't show it, but the kid's been good. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like, yeah, so he may not get as much run support. And then, you know, again, with Woodruff, he's he's good. He's still not going too deep in games, I don't think. I'm going to pull this up real quick as we're talking. Because um, he's, he's, he's kind of fresh back. He did go seven dominant last start. So seven, six, six, five. So they kind of worked him into it. Um I just don't see a lot of runs in this game. I don't see a lot of runs early. I think both these teams have been good. I think this is where you this is where like you have to learn to get guys over. You have to learn to appreciate the one or two runs. You have to learn to keep guys at the base before instead of giving that extra base. I mean again, Philadelphia is losing one nothing to Atlanta right now on an error. Basically a two base error before mm-hmm. we looked at it. Um Winning teams don't make those types of mistakes, and and that's what this series is about. This is a huge series for the postseason, and I'm curious to see. Like, I don't know if I have what it takes to to bet on this game because I like where both these pitchers have been and the way I feel like these two teams kind of. And it's a low similar. total at seven. It's tough, right? So then, mm-hmm. what three and a half, first five, maybe four, right? It's it's a tough one to to jump on, but again, this series itself goes a long way for the playoffs. Yep. Who do the Cubs got? So Cubs are at Colorado. Yep. Cubs have three games uh, against the Rockies. And then after this series in Colorado, they have three at Arizona, three against Pittsburgh, three more against Colorado, three against Atlanta, and then they finish the year with three at Milwaukee. Oh, let's go. Yeah, that's going to be a fun series at the end of the year. Um, Moving on, we have a great pitching matchup in Minnesota tonight. Tyler Glass now against Sonny Gray. Tampa Bay, a small road favorite here, minus 118 up on the DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Sonny Gray is a home slight dog. Seems intriguing to me. Low total of 7.5 here. I kind of maybe like a first five under in this one with these two pitchers. Do you have, like, do you have, when you watch, when you think about Tampa, like these two teams, I... I always had a hard time betting Milwaukee. I'm always going to be wrong in Milwaukee, whether I'm pro or con on them. I feel the same way versus, like, these two teams. Like, I don't – 
It's like when I don't think Tampa's going to score, they score a ton. And when mm-hmm. I think they're going to score, they don't. And Minnesota, I can never seem to figure out. This is like these are hard games for me to to back. Both these pitchers have done really, really well. Um, both these pitchers can be very dominant. Um, I don't know how I feel about a game like this. I mean, I guess I understand the line and, and how it's reasonably close. Tampa's definitely a better overall team when it comes to knowing how to win baseball games. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to handicap this game. Mm. What do you got? Uh, I, I'm trying to look towards uh, maybe a no-run first inning. So Sonny Gray has made 28 starts, okay. and he has only allowed three runs in the first inning. Get out of here. Three runs in the first inning for Sonny Gray. And then you look at Tyler Glass now, who has made 17 starts this season and only allowed four runs so, in the first inning. Do you ever see, like, all of a sudden we put something on the bottom line that's all over the bottom line? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's gone 28 scoreless or this, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the opposite happens because yeah. all of a sudden we start talking about it. I feel like this hasn't been talked about. But it's almost with that said, that's a blind first inning no. Like, if you get these two guys matching up and they've been that good, like, I don't know what the line is currently. All Minus there. 150 on the no. Oh, my God. And then you gotta, Obviously, you have two incredible first-inning like pitchers. Serious juice, huh? that That's why they're juicing it. This it's is what the books It's crazy because it the, it's the hardest inning for us to pitch as well. Um, but that's, I mean, those are just unbelievably impressive numbers. Mm-hmm. Minus 150 up on DraftKings for the under .5 runs. And again, I'll give you the stats again. 17 yeah. starts for Glass now, only four first-inning runs, and then Sonny Gray even better as he has had 28 starts and only three first-inning runs. That's a .64 ERA in the first inning this season. Oh, it's, in- it's insane. A 0.64 ERA Betters have been waiting in the first inning. They've been waiting for this game to bet on that. Yeah. The line clearly tells. Um, again, it still kind of is a blind play just because of how dominant those guys have been. So whatever they're doing to prepare. It also goes to show you why starting pitchers, when you throw them in the bullpen out of nowhere, why it's so hard for them. Because mm-hmm. to, to, it's, too, like I said, I told you before, it's two completely different styles of playing baseball, of throwing, of, of preparing, of everything. Um, That's going to be my best bet for it's tonight. It's a big juice, but I got you. I mean, It's I, my best again, bet for tonight, and I you like know what? It. It, it might be square, but it doesn't matter. the numbers don't lie. The it numbers don't lie it's, with these guys. There's there's certain bets that you just bet every time regardless. Like, you just blind bet them mm-hmm. because it is what it is. And if it doesn't lose, it doesn't matter. The law of averages, the law of consistency says you're going to win. And this is— No, we don't You don't get this Blind betting everything, but— Not everything. There's certain yeah. things, though. <laughs> there are certain things you blind bet. And you're, when's the next time you're going to see this matchup? You're not. You're not. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, so Sonny Gracious and Tyler Glass now, two really, really good— First inning pitchers. Uh, the A's are at the Astros. Framber Valdez starting for the Astros. Uh, Mason Miller getting the start for the A's. Houston is a massive favorite in this game. Sure. The current line is minus 298 for Houston. I, I it, Again, it's such a massive line. Mason Miller, though, is coming back from the I.L., he made a start on the sixth, only no, went two innings. He didn't start it. Oh, well, he pitched uh, yeah, two he innings pitched in, in that yeah. game. Two shutout innings, though. Three strikeouts against the Blue Jays. <laughs> I don't know how deep he's going to go in this game, but kid's got talent. Kid's got a ton of talent. Okay, so May 2nd against Seattle, he mm-hmm. had seven no-hit innings yeah. on 100 pitches and got pulled. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Um, he's the one He's the one of the top pitching prospects. Follows up five days later against Kansas City. He goes six and gives up two, and they lose the game because, of course, they don't score. Then he comes out of the pen against Toronto just to get his feet wet, and now he's going to start. They're not going to let this kid go more than four innings. Like, there's crazy mm-hmm. what they're doing if you're trying to protect this kid. He's clearly got insane stuff. There's no question about him. Just looking at his stats alone, it's insane stuff, but he's not going to go deep. You're going to get this Oakland bullpen for majority of this game. Um, I don't like start, relief, start, relief. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't know what he was doing before they put him in the pen. I don't know why they would bring him back. Oakland of all teams, why would you bring him back and put him in the pen when you're trying to protect this kid off of injury? Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. All right, so here's a bet that I like. Go. All right. On DraftKings, you can do this. You can look at the innings bets, right? And I'm not talking about a first inning. They got cool stuff on draft. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to the first three innings. And I'm going to lay minus 120 on the A's plus a half a run 
in the first three innings. Because I don't think yes. Mason, I don't think Mason Miller goes more than three innings. No, I don't. Yeah, and dream. And I, you know, Framber's great. This could be a zero-zero game after three innings. Who knows? But I think that if you can get if you get one run from the A's off of Framber in the first three innings, you're going to win this bet. I don't think Mason Miller is going to give up runs in the first three innings. So at minus one twenty, first three innings, A's plus a half a run. That's a bet I like with Mason Miller on the mound. There's a lot of games like so. So the D-backs and, and the Mets game, right? Where are you at on that? I talked about it before. I like the Diamondbacks as an underdog. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, in the first five innings, you get the Diamondbacks at plus yeah, half a run. Yeah, plus minus half a run. Yeah. So when I find games I like that, like that mm-hmm. where I like the team and they're the dog, again, let's go to let's go to Miami and, and, and the Brewers, right? Lazardo's been great. You're getting a plus a half run at minus 20, 128 yep. in first five. When I find games like this, like, it's hard for me. Uh, Freeland's won his last start. He's at home. He's always pitched well in, in course. It's a different game there. Wicks is pitching. I know Wicks has been good. He's also a young kid. At home, the Rockets are getting a plus a half a run through five. At plus, I don't trust the at Rockies plus in any game. <laughs> um, well, I don't trust anybody in Colorado. Sure. But you're going to give me the home team and a, and a kid making his first start ever in Colorado? Trust me, it's not an easy mm-hmm. place to pitch. I've been there. But my point is, is there are certain games where – Again, do you like Dunning in Texas? They're going to get plus money. The Yankees, I like the Yankees today. So now you're going to give me the Yankees on a, on a better pitching matchup. Crawford's been getting rock. Schmidt's been great. That plus a half run, first I'm getting five. Plus a half run, yeah. first five. I'm definitely betting that for the Yankees. Mm. So that's one of the things I like to look at a lot in Major League Baseball is when there's a team that I'm going to bet anyways, and they're the dog, then I'm going to get a plus a half a run. So I'm just going to either be winning, which I'm hoping they are anyways, and or tied at that point. Like, I bet those a lot. And I like the first three innings at plus a half a run because you're really only targeting, like, the first time through the lineup. Yeah. And it's they very seen him. Exactly. And it's very rare that you're going to get a small amount of juice on this. The only reason why very it's rare. such a small amount of juice is because the Astros are minus 300 favorites for the game. I was going to say, that's what they do. They factor in how big the juice is for the game. Mm-hmm. They kind of break it down. Like, sometimes we'll see... Um, because if you want to look at, let's say the Yankees and the Red Sox is a much closer line game, right? Minus 130 is what the uh, Red Sox are for the game. The first three innings line, if you want to take the Yankees on the first three innings at plus a half a run, it's minus 160 That's still, I'll take compared it. to minus 120. It. So it's a massive difference in the juice. The only reason why it's so little here for the, the A's is because they're plus 240 dogs I got to get DraftKings. So I can get a half a run. In mm-hmm. the first three innings of the Yankee game. Yep. Minus 160, though. Two cares. I thought you were going to say, like, 250. Oh, hey, sometimes the juice is worth the squeeze. 100% it is. Yeah. We're going to lay 150 on a first inning no. Yeah. And I can get plus a half the Yankees coming off a big yep. win. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I need to get DraftKings. Yeah. Oh. Drive across the border to Arizona. That's insane. There you go. Uh, let's run through the rest of the schedule real quick. You mentioned the Cubs and Rockies. Uh, Chicago, a heavy favorite, minus 178. Kyle Freeland against Jordan Wicks. The Angels at the Mariners. Reed Detmers on the mound for the Angels. Logan Gilbert for Seattle. Seattle, a big favorite in this one, minus 225. You mentioned earlier Seattle not playing great baseball. They've lost three straight games uh, to the Tampa Bay Rays. Now bouncing back first home game after a long road stretch here. But you do have uh, the Angels, a familiar foe in town. Do you like anything in this matchup between Logan Gilbert and Reed Detmers? It's so hard. I mean, the Angels are so bad. They don't have anybody in the lineup now. It's all young kids trying to prove a point. Um, Detmers, you guys know my take on it. They rush him to the big leagues. He's still not fully ready for the big leagues. He doesn't win. He's 3-10. and Can he be good? Can he be dominant? Sure. But he still has never learned much about winning at the major league level because he's on the Angels, mm-hmm. right? So then he can cruise through a couple innings, but it's very difficult, and they're always going to pull him kind of early. Logan Gilbert has been fantastic for this team. I mean, this this should be a massive favored line for Seattle, but again, that clubhouse is not where it should be right now with Seattle. Mm. It's just, it, it was a bad message sent, but how do you lose to the Angels? Honestly, how do you Not lose when you're in a playoff race. Can't afford to drop you these can't. games to bad teams. You, you just can't. Uh, elsewhere, Guardians. What's the at, line? Uh, right now, Seattle it's minus two twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, that's big. Uh, Guardians are at the Giants. Alex Cobb for San Francisco. Gavin Williams for Cleveland. San Francisco's minus one forty. And the Padres are at the Dodgers. Pedro Avila starts for the Padres. Gavin Stone for the Dodgers. L.A. is minus one seventy with Gavin Stone on the mound. Uh, a guy who hasn't pitched a lot 
this season uh, last pitched on August 27th when he went six innings and gave up four runs to the Boston Red Sox. Neither one of these teams have have pitchers, right? I mean, total is nine and a half, and it's the over is minus 115. Yeah, Avila's he's really a reliever, converted starter. Uh, you know, when they first put him in the rotation not too long ago, you know, four innings, three innings, and all of a sudden he pitched into the seventh last time, right? Because he was doing well. And so they jumped him up to 91 pitches real quick. Um, he's probably pretty sore. So it's, 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 not, it's not expected of him to go deep again, right? Mm-hmm. So then you got that bullpen. And again, with Stone, it's like, I, I know what the Dodgers are doing. They have a comfortable lead. Um, it's the same thing. You can't go four, four, two, two, and then six. Like it's not good for the health of these pitchers. It's like I don't know what to expect from any one of these two. I mean, the Padres are not a winning team, so we know that they 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 fold under pressure. The Dodgers are scraping by right now with their pitching staff to try to figure out who's going to be healthy going into the postseason. Um, you got a winning organization versus a losing organization mm-hmm. at this point, right? I mean, I don't know what to do in that game. I mean, the Dodgers line I thought would be higher. I'll say that. Let's take a look at the schedule for tomorrow in Major League Baseball. And an interesting name popped up on the probable pitchers list. And that's John Means for the Orioles, who will make his 2023 debut going up against the Cardinals. And Adam Wainwright means it's his first start coming back from Tommy John surgery. What do you expect from John Means? Uh, He underwent surgery April 2022. So the original scheduled return was... In July, he sustained a strain to his uh, left teres major, which is a muscle in the scapula or upper back region. And that uh, forced him to have a little bit of a setback Mm -hmm. that occurred when he was slamming medicine balls during a workout late in May. But now he is here in September. He um, had a rehab start, double-A Bowie, on August 10th. He, that's when he started. Mm. He had six rehab starts between Bowie and AAA Norfolk. And in his rehab starts, a 3.74 ERA, 22 strikeouts, over 21 and two-thirds innings. And uh, in his final rehab outing, he allowed three runs over five innings. He threw 67 pitches. Very efficient. And now he is making his major league or 2023 major league debut. It's interesting, right? So... John has been, I mean, he might be the one of the main reasons for the rebuild, for the belief in this organization a few years back. Like, he was their ace. He was, you know, he's been one of our better guys in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I know his, his wins and losses doesn't really show it, but he was also doing very well on a very bad team. Yes. And so he's been the one guy that's, they kind of built this around, and it was unfortunate when he got hurt. So to have this Orioles organization be as good as they are, have all these young prospects come up, the expectation is exactly what they expected, what they're what they're getting from this team. And then you got John Means able to come back and add him. It's like a huge trade line addition for your team, but you already had it. With that said, he's going to go four or five innings. He's going to go four or five innings. He's going to go four or five innings. And then is he going to be relied on enough to be able to pitch in the postseason? They're never really going to stretch this guy because you're going to be worried for a long time. Well, 67 pitches in his last rehab outing, so how long long do you expect him to go? Exactly, but it's also a different – it's in the minor leagues and the major leagues. It's just I just want to come out of here healthy, Mm -hmm. and then I'm trying to win a baseball game. So it's a a different mindset. Um, This is where you have to have guys – like today, you got to let Dean Kramer go seven innings, minimum. Like you have to let Dean Kramer eat innings today – because you know that John Means will not be allowed to eat innings tomorrow. So you can't have your bullpen get taxed today, and then you're wasting your bullpen two days in a row because then who's going to go deep? This is always why you have guys in your rotation who eat innings for a reason, and, and Dean's going to have to be that guy today for them if you want to have a chance at winning both of these baseball games. Um, they're hoping that John can establish um, – himself and continue to build his pitch count and his inning count because they want him in the rotation in the postseason. But then that's also a conversation that you have to really have after the next three starts is do we add him and take somebody out who's been really good for this team and this organization going into the postseason? It's an interesting dilemma the Orioles are in, but it's also a beautiful thing to have John Means Mm -hmm. back. Yeah. 
Before we get out of here, Josh, let's take a look at the awards race. We had been talking about the National League Cy Young, which seems like it changes every week. And here's what we have on the latest odds. Blake Snell is minus 220. Justin Steele plus 150. Where is where is the where is the Blake Snell? Minus 220 is a, a, a good favorite. There's three starts left, right? What are we at? The 11th, 16th. Yeah, about three starts left. Um where is Blake Snell a minus two twenty favorite over Justin Steele? I, I I don't get it. I mean, Steele's got more wins. He's sixteen and three compared to thirteen and nine. And then what do some people say? Oh, the Cubs are better than the Padres. Yeah, they're better than the Padres because of Justin Steele, mm-hmm. right? Uh, his ERA is lower. His inning count is two innings shy, so they're very similar there. He's given up more hits. Um, Blake Snell struck out. 209 to 159, but he's also walked 92 compared to 33. The whip is lower. Um, I mean, the only areas where Blake Snell is better is hits allowed, strikeouts, and average against. But the, everything else, Justin Snell uh, still is dominating. I don't, I can't make sense of that line. You want to put him at both minus 110? I'll take that. But to, to make Snell a 220 favorite says who? Like, what is on these stats that, that says he's that big of a favorite over this kid? I don't see it. I'm with you all the way, and it's a shame that we didn't get it down when it was 25-1. to 1, I But <laughs> uh, I still think Justin Steele wins this award. Uh, ERA's got to mean something. It's got to mean something. I can make a case for Zach Gallon over both of them. Well, he, he dropped down to eight to one. It's crazy, but with a still, couple of subpar he's performances. Yeah, he's got a three-three. Boy, he's and Spencer got... Strider has dropped down. He, he's out of the race now, which is crazy. I don't get that, by the way. To me, he still should be in it. He's he's got more innings, more strikeouts. His walks are better. His like he's he's so much better. And so so the ERA is the only area where Strider is not better. Um, again, Zach Gallon has more innings. The walks are below almost both. Mm-hmm. The strikeouts are up. Like, I don't know. There's a case for a lot of guys. I don't. There's nothing on this sheet that tells me Blake yeah. Snell is the walkway favorite, which is crazy mm-hmm. on a 220 line. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Well, he is former major leaguer Josh Towers. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Uh, you can head to pregame.com and save some money and really get something for free. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, here's the deal. If you go to pregame.com, and you use the promo code RACE25. We've got playoff races across the league right now. RACE25. That's going to give you $25 off anything at pregame.com. And most best bet packages are $25 or less. So if you click on a best bet for tonight, let's say a three-star best bet, $25, you use the promo code RACE25, and that's free. Or you can take $25 off of, you know, any other package that you like and save some money. But I recommend getting something for nothing because you know what they always say, Josh, if it's free, it's for me. That's right. (laughs) Once again, he's Josh Towers. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Straight Out of Vegas AM. Never miss an episode. We have our morning show Monday through Friday. This podcast will be featured once a week on that feed as well. And we'll catch up with you next week here for an update on the Major League Baseball playoff race.